Welcome everybody, I am Catalina and this is the Changemakers podcast, a show exploring the sustainable development goals and highlighting thinkers and initiatives that are working towards achieving the UN's 2030 agenda. Today, my guest is Marianne Haar, the Executive Director at Green Digital Finance Alliance, a private-public partnership between UN Environment Program and Ant Financial to leverage digital technology to scale green digital finance. In this episode, we discuss about the challenges of the current financial system, the current COVID-19 situation and the impact of this crisis on the economic and financial systems. We reflect on green finance and the need to scale it globally. So welcome, Marianne, to the Changemakers podcast. It is really a pleasure to have you on this show and learn more about green finance and your work at Green Digital Finance Alliance. So let's start with maybe looking a little bit back at what happened in 2008 with the financial crisis, because I think what's happening now with the coronavirus and the economic recession that, will, that is expected to happen I think has some sort of similarities. So the financial crisis in 2008, many people believe that it was the crisis who accelerated the challenges the world deals with today. So for example, poverty, the rise of inequality, climate destruction, and so on. And today with the corona crisis and kind of the undoubtful economic recession that will happen, it kind of shows the vulnerabilities in our economic systems again. So was the financial crisis, in your opinion, and now the COVID crisis, a wake-up call that something is wrong with how our world works? I think you're spot on in pointing to these two crises as both being structural crises. And if we look at the financial crisis back in 2008, the fact that we have a financial system, first of all, it's so interconnected. So when it fails in the U.S., it sends shockwaves to the other parts of the world and the entire financial system tends to collapse. And the same thing with the COVID crisis, you have someone that gets in touch with wildlife somewhere in the world and catches a virus and that just travels within you know, no time to the rest of the world. So it, it shows the interconnectedness and it shows that we are in a systemic connect to one another. And I think that's whether it's finance or whether it's health, that's the situation we are in. So we need global responses and global answers to global challenges. I think if we look at the financial crisis and some of the underlying reasons for that is what sustainable finance is trying to address. The financial crisis did definitely emerge because of the fact that we have a financial system that produces externalities and incentivizes short-term gains over long-term stability and creation of a resilient society. I don't think necessarily the causes with COVID are exactly the same, but I think we have now the opportunity to respond differently to the COVID crisis than we did to the financial crisis in 2008. I think in the financial crisis in 2008, governments massively responded with bailouts to the financial service institutions that had acted irresponsibly without any, or with very few conditions and none of them were green conditions where now we are going into currently we are in response to save lives in COVID and we need to be but sooner and already now a number of countries and regions are moving into stimulus and soon recovery and we hear stronger and stronger voices saying this cannot be stimulus and recovery to take us back to the old system this needs to be stimulus and recovery that resets the system and resets it through greening. 
so that's where I think we have a choice now, even though there were similarities to the two crises, we have a choice now to then respond differently and respond in a way that promotes green finance and thereby a new future. Great. Can you actually elaborate a little bit more? Because I think the listeners of this podcast probably are not financial experts. Maybe some are, but this topic is always a little bit abstract, I think, or we understand the term finance, but it's very, you know, like we don't really understand the, the depth of it. So can you elaborate a little bit more and explain what is actually green finance and how is it different from normal finance? Yeah, definitely. So basically, green finance is allocation of capital to green assets or green projects. So it's basically that you have your pension money in a pension fund, and they decide for you, okay, let's invest your pension money so it can grow windmill parks, renewable energy through solar cell rollout, and that the return that you get as a pension policy holder will then have enabled capital to be deployed to help the energy transition. Whereas if you have a pension fund that doesn't allocate your capital to green, then they will allocate your capital to investing in large shipping companies that are fueled by ordinary fossil fuels or just building out regular infrastructure that has okay rates of returns and will secure your pensions but they will still lock us into a situation where the assets that are financed, so ships, for instance, or infrastructure, will incentivize the continued use of fossil fuels and thereby the continued warming of the economy. And just to put this into perspective, this is, there's definitely momentum for green finance, and we can talk more about that later. And there are regulations coming online, there are policies, etc. But when you really look at the global financial system, then you can say it's made up of retail finance and capital markets. And if you look at capital markets, then you have basically equities and bonds. And if you look at the global bond market, then it's only 2% of bonds that are allocated to green projects and assets of the entire trillions of dollars of bond market. In the equity funds, so those that are ESG, ETF funds, so exchange-traded funds that have a sustainability profile, it's less than 1%. So it is a very, very small portion of the pension money of all of us and the debt that our states are issuing as sovereign debt or debt that companies are issuing that are actually capital being raised for a green future. This raises two questions, I think, from my side. So first, because you mentioned the pension funds, right? That the pension fund chooses projects that they allocate their money towards. And sometimes it can be green projects, but most, most of the times it's other types of projects. For example, you know, companies that support fossil fuel organizations, so on and so forth. So first question is, can you as a client actually choose how your capital from pension funds is being allocated? Can you tell, let's say, your pension fund that, hey, I want my money to be distributed to green projects? Is there sort of regulation for that? And then second question is, why are there not enough funds actually being allocated for green or sustainable projects in the first place? In terms of whether you can, as a pension holder, pension policy holder, go in and say, I want my pension to be invested in green only, 
you can have that as an individual, that discussion with your pension fund. And we saw the big divestment movement of pension policyholders coming to annual assemblies at the pension funds and saying, we want you to divest away from fossil fuels. That was the greatest mobilization of, and that's a few years ago, that we've seen of pension policyholders going to really demand to the, that their money, because it's their money, is invested is divested away from fossil fuels. So that was a movement that has definitely reallocated some capital away from fossil fuel fuels. There is some legislation coming online and it's mainly currently in the in the EU. I mean, one problem or one regulatory barrier to pension funds being allocated to green is that there's quite a number of countries which has legislation that oblige pension funds to seek the maximization of returns for their pension policy holders. And it's not always that the green assets will give you the maximization of return. It may be that a better investment is into a fossil fuel-based asset. So therefore, we've only seen in the recent time that some of that legislation has been amended to say that you sh- that pension fund should pursue, are obliged to pursue maximization of returns, but also can pursue sustainability objectives. That's a very recent thing. But then there are some jurisdictions that are really interesting to look at. And one of them is Sweden. Sweden has passed a piece of progressive legislation which put a very high percentage, I think it's 40% of pension policy capital needs to be invested in green. So we are seeing some jurisdiction run front runners in this space. And then there is juris- then there is new legislation coming along in the EU. It's under what's called the MIFID II directive, where financial advisors are now obliged to have a conversation at the retail level. So if you go to the bank in the EU, it's going to be new requirement and you have some spare savings. It's going to be new requirement that your financial advisor is going to ask you or be obliged to by law to ask you what are your return preferences, but also what are your, what are your non-financial preferences? So basically your sustainability preferences. That's an entirely new part of the MIFID II regulation that's going to be implemented in all the European Union states very soon. But we could definitely look to jurisdictions like Sweden to have much more aggressive legislation to really redirect pension capital into green assets. Would you actually see that type of legislation and that type of mindset really to be scaled up on a global level? Because, you know, to really make a green transition, to really invest in impactful projects, it's, it's not enough only for, let's say, Sweden or Denmark or Germany to really apply that legislation. We require kind of global cooperation and agreement on, okay, we really need to allocate, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50% of, of the circulating funds to sustainable green projects so how can we maybe overcome this barrier of you know nationalists or like national legislation or do you see a sort of opportunity maybe as a result of this crisis to actually you know collaborate in creating sort of global legislature when it comes to allocating green funds i think that there's one sort of wave of legislation coming which is taxonomies for sustainable finance, which is EU. They are the first region to have adopted a taxonomy regulation, which obliges all financial service institutions to report on their how big a percentage 
of their portfolio is allocated to green and sustainable assets and projects. And then in that regulation, they are going to formulate technical notes, which specifies what is actually a green asset. And that's going to be both in climate mitigation, climate adaptation, and also in biodiversity. Because one of the problems is that there has been taken, there's been a lot of confusion at market level in terms of what, is, what actually classifies as a green investment. Can you call it a green investment if you have a coal-fired plant? Can they issue a green bond if they are doing better waste management around their site or wanting to do renewable energy to use on their site, etc.? But it's still a coal-powered plant that you're actually financing. So now what is what the types of legislation that are coming along now, both in the EU and it's being copied partly in Asia, is first to get transparency and accountability in the green finance market and to have disclosure requirements and reporting requirements on the financial service institutions. So once that is implemented, it will be clear and transparent when you go to any bank to see how big a part of their capital is invested into green, how big a part is not, because that's a, that's a piece of knowledge that most of us don't have today. And then that can be used to then say, okay, we can see that in the European Union, we have a new green deal. And we can see that the financial service sector is not contributing, is only contributing 20% of their capital to the new green deal, where if we need to go carbon neutral, they need to allocate 70% of their capital to that new green deal. And then you can start to introduce legislation to shift those numbers. So we are not there yet <laughs> at a globalizing level, but I think you, you introduced something interesting in terms of this crisis has because that was what had been going on for a long time, the formulation of this taxonomy and getting the transparency in the market. And suddenly COVID hits and sort of introduces a new reality and also offers to policymakers and regulators, you know, a new window of opportunity. So I think what we are going to see in the response to COVID and what we see now that the European Parliament and a number of the environment ministers have written letters about in the EU is that we need to do green stimulus and green recovery measures that are all aligned to what we want with the Green Deal in the European Union. And so we're instead of just writing out blanket checks to companies to save them and in this situation, what we are hopefully going to see is that we're going to see that conditioned on a number of green behavior changes. So that if you are going to get COVID help, you in return have to pay by changing your behavior as a company towards green. And the same that when we go out now, the European Union to borrow money to respond to the recovery, that that would be to you know, roll out and stimulate the economy in the European Union via rolling out renewable energy via, to help the energy transition, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's going to be more in that toolbox so more policy measures than actually regulatory measures in, in the COVID response. Mm -hmm. I really hope that we're going to see those initiatives actually being, you know, executed and, and put in place instead of just going to, to business as usual. So just zooming out a little bit on the topic of, of green finance and zooming in actually to your day-to-day -day activity, can you share with our audience what is Green Digital Finance Alliance? What is its mission? And how do you think it is contributing to 
accelerating, you know, the United Nations sustainability agenda. Yes, thank you. Our mission is simply to scale green finance with fintech. So we were launched in 2017 as a public-private partnership between UN Environment Programme and N Financial Services, but as a not-for-profit foundation. And the founders, their thinking was, well, we are seeing the digitization of finance going really rapidly. And that means that we are going into a redesign process of both financial products, but also financial regulation and financial policies. So why not use this in a sense, opening of the financial system to plug green intent into how we design a digital financial system. So we work because you had a really good question in the beginning saying, why don't we see enough green finance being challenged into to green assets and projects? And so in our view, some of the capabilities that fintech or digital technologies brings to green finance actually help us to address the barriers that have been hindering us from unlocking the capital we need. So one of the barriers is that we don't have enough data and that data is too expensive to come by to really find and account for those green assets. So today, for instance, if you do a green bond, it's more costly and it's more bureaucratic to issue a green bond than a non-green bond. So because the fact that when you do a green bond, you have to account for the green impacts you are making. And that's today is a very manual process. So we have been looking at, for instance, and working with partners on how could we digitize a green bond to make it as cost efficient and maybe even more cost efficient than a regular bond so that when you want to issue a bond, the green bond becomes the more attractive option. Or if you want to buy yourself into a green bond, it becomes a more attractive investment. But also, how can it enable people to, so you and me at the retail level, when we use our mobile wallet, mobile wallets are very well positioned to help uh, guide consumers in a green direction because of the fact that mobile wallet has our behavioral data, they have our consumption data, so they can give you, and we work with, with what is called the Ant Forest application in China, which is doing this, which is basically giving you, using AI to give you real-time CO2 footprint every time you go out and have a behavior that's tracked by your mobile wallet, and then offers you to offset your carbon footprint by planting trees. So that's another way that fintech can enable us to address some of the barriers to unlocking green finance. It's not unlocking capital in the sort of traditional sense, but it's leveraging the data capabilities of fintech to enable us to have a shift towards a greener lifestyle. So we are really working with fintech to scale green finance. Mm -hmm. And just following back to a previous question, you know, on the availability of investments in, into green finance, because I think overall, there is not really a question of making fun, like funds being available. There is enough funds or enough money circulating in the world. We're just kind of prioritizing it differently. And I think one of the big problems comes from our mindset, maybe I would say, or I don't even know how to call it, like this whole belief in the financial maximization. And I think that's one of the big problems in our society that kind of causes all these other very big challenges, such as inequality, poverty, 
climate change, so on and so forth. So can we actually get away from this whole paradigm of financial maximization? Can maybe technology and fintechs kind of change, you know, the, the way we look at finance, the way we think about finance? What are your thoughts on that? I think you're right that there's a lot of rent seeking. And I don't think fintech is taking out that element. I think fintech can also be very exploitative in its way of operating and having the exact same profit maximization mindset as we have seen in big finance or incumbents. So I don't think fintech in itself is inherently less profit maximization in mindset. I think it's just as profit maximization as, as it is set up in the capitalistic system. So I'm not sure that that's where sort of the capabilities of fintech, where I see the greatest potentials of it, to be honest. I probably, I think that would be other tools that would be wanting to use for that. But I do think what fintech brings us capabilities is to internalize the cost of externalities and thereby shift how capital is thinking and thereby shift how capital is allocated. So for instance, today, today you can, you know, the cost of a loan usually doesn't, doesn't change whether you're financing a green or non-green asset. But we are seeing some starting to deploy fintech to really internalize that externality and thereby offering lower cost of capital, so cheaper money to invest into green or to stimulate greener behavior. And we see some, it's in the Netherlands, there are a number of the three largest banks in the Netherlands have really been front runners in designing, for instance, energy efficiency loans to commercial real estate, where the cost of capital depends on their energy efficiency performance, for instance. Or we are seeing Bank is going to launch in 2021 a biodiversity linked loan product where the loan product is the cost of capital is going to vary depending on how well farmers score on a number of biodiversity metrics. So I think fintech can enable capital to internalize externalities, the cost of externalities, which will enable green assets to become more attractive and be able to loan at a cheaper rate. But I think that's probably where I see some of the biggest potentials in shifting some of the behaviors of capitalism. Mm -hmm. I'm looking a little bit more towards the future, a little bit more long-term. So I'm an idealist myself. (laughs) So I would, I also like to do this exercise with, with the people on this podcast of kind of imagining, reimagining the world as it is in a sort of maybe an ideal way. So if you could imagine an ideal financial system, how would it look like? I think it would be having a much shorter route from where the capital is to when it's allocated. Because today, if you invest into a pension fund, you sort of lose track of it and it becomes invisible money. And you then go when you're 70 and you go and use that capital for a safe retirement. I think in the future, the future financial system, it's much the I will be able to allocate my savings to a renewable energy project to transition my own neighborhood. And that's going to be with a small return, but it's also going to be with a huge utility because I can see that the air is getting cleaner, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a much more localized financial system But of course, with a layer of a capital market that's efficient and that's globalized, but where more of us can actually get a closer relation to the green investments that we are doing and where we can see 
the impacts of them because today the financial system is very removed from most of people. And I think that's why it's also difficult to mobilize and it's also difficult for people to really, you know, get a sense of that this is something that's important to them. Mm -hmm. And what is the impact that you think Green Digital Finance Alliance could have in kind of contributing to this future, this transformation that you're describing? I think for us as an alliance of both thinkers, but also green digital finance practitioners, I think we can definitely contribute in structuring new green digital finance markets, both helping regulators to gear regulation to incentivize digitization of finance to go green, but also to share some of the emerging practices of those green digital finance solutions that have actually been able to scale quite massively so they can be replicated and duplicated across markets. So being that catalyst that accelerates a green future by deployment of digital is where we can play a role. Mm -hmm. And final question, because we're close to the end of this conversation, what would be more like a call to action to the listeners of this podcast? What can I and, and other people start doing today to kind of involve maybe in this whole green financial transition? I think you, you actually started out in our conversation, we started out talking about this, that we are all, you know, all the capital that's misaligned currently, that's not being invested in green. A lot of that capital is yours and ours. It's everybody's capital. It's there, there are trillions in sleeping and saving accounts. There are trillions of trillions in pension funds. So I think all of us can just start to invest or mo many of us can start to, to invest green. Most of us have access to investing in green securities on our mobile phone. So start to allocate a small portion of the savings to try that out, to actually be an actor in that game. And then also talk to your pension fund exactly about where would you like your money invested. And then if they don't have the options, then have that conversation. I think that's some really sort of concrete steps And then, of course, there are more and more, if you're not satisfied with what you get through investing, if it's through your savings through your bank, then there are more and more green robo-advisors. There are more and more of these solutions where you actually, as an individual, can go out because it's really democratizing the green finance market and start to learn. Because as soon as you start to engage, it also you have some, some invested interest in it and, and you can start to to engage much more actively. Great. Well, thank you, Marianne, for such an insightful conversation. I myself am not, I'm interested in finance, but I'm not an expert at all, very far from it in, into this field. So it definitely helped me at least to really learn a little bit more about what does green finance actually mean and how can I personally contribute to that. So thank you for sharing in your insights and for sharing your thoughts on what is the change that needs to happen in the current financial system. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening. This was the Changemakers podcast with Mariana Har on Green Digital Finance Alliance and the need to reshape the financial system to better align it with the needs of sustainable development. 
If you like this episode, share it within your community and connect with me on Instagram at change.makers.stories and on LinkedIn. You can find all these relevant links in this episode's description. If you are curious about the sustainable development goals and initiatives that are working towards the UN's 2030 agenda, subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and don't miss the upcoming episodes.